What up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Smunt Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 156 of the podcast. And for this episode, I had the privilege of having Mrs. Amanda Lucas on the show. Amanda is a middle school ELA teacher, amongst other things, which I'll get to. And similar to what I like to do when I have a guest on the show that has intimate knowledge of a specific topic or profession that they're involved in or something that they're passionate about, is take a deep dive into that topic. And we definitely did that here. We get Amanda's perspective on her experiences of teaching different grade levels, meaning kids of different ages to where she's at now, teaching middle school. We speak about her experiences dealing with bullying in the classroom among students and her, what some may consider unorthodox approaches to resolving certain issues, which I personally thought were genius approaches that not only help resolve the underlying issues of why those situations happened in the first place, but resolve them in a practical way that, at least from my perspective, from the outside looking in, students can take with them into the real world and apply those lessons to their day-to-day lives, while also really harboring this sense of community, you know, treating your classroom as a community. And there's this like sense of like not only like friendship and fellow classmates, but like a family oriented type of approach, like uh, you know, we're gonna go through the bad and the good together and we're gonna work on things together. While on top of that, tying it all back into her purpose of actually teaching specific to ELA and tying things into writing. So there's layers to it, which I really appreciated, especially after listening back to it while reviewing the episode. So I'm sure you folks will definitely appreciate those stories. And we also spoke about, you know, teaching in different schools and funding that different schools get, which obviously plays a huge role in the education system. We touch on, you know, teachers having their like favorite students and dealing with bad kids, you know, quote unquote bad kids. You may or may not hear a story of a kid that decided to act out in the unique way of deciding to take his clothes off in front of the class. (laughs) And just an array of different things that teachers have to deal with that we may or may not appreciate from all those things that I just mentioned and even dealing with parents, go hard parents that might complain about their kid having a 96 on a test and, you know, arguing to get, get them up to a hundred, for example. We speak about different grading systems and rubrics that teachers use, as well as what freedoms teachers actually have in terms of the coursework, what they can do in their classrooms, in terms of like physical decoration. We also speak about having to adjust and teach in a post-COVID environment, whereas most of you know, teachers have gone from the traditional in-person teaching in an actual school building to teaching online through environments like Zoom. Let me definitely speak about how that experience has been. So there's definitely a bunch in this episode that was interesting to me in being able to peek behind the curtain of what goes on in the teaching world. Amanda is also a fellow writer. Shout out to the Spun Today writing community out there. Prior to becoming a teacher, 
she did everything from freelance writing to interning for different magazines to becoming the featured article in an edition of Parents Magazine with a story that she wrote about her daughter. How dope is that? And that story is about her eldest daughter back when she was about four or five years old really wanted a sewing machine which Amanda was against because you know a kid and a sewing machine kind of doesn't go but the grandparents decided to get her that as a gift I believe it was a Christmas gift or a birthday gift you know she begrudgingly let her daughter use it you know after obviously watching the tutorial a DVD and figuring out how to use it and her daughter took to it like a fish in water and she wound up making these little pillows that Amanda put on online on social media and a bunch of people wanted to buy them and she wound up selling a couple hundred of them then Amanda wrote this article about that whole experience and it winds up getting featured in Parents Magazine which is just like the cherry on top so it's like a dope motivating story on several fronts and I actually want to share an excerpt from Amanda's article with you guys. Quote, it scares me to think that if my parents hadn't taken a chance and gotten Laylee that sewing machine, I may have been the first person to make her doubt her own abilities by refusing to let her try at all. Laylee, like every child, is free of the burdens we adults carry around as mental roadblocks that inhibit us from dreaming big and pursuing our goals. End quote. I couldn't agree more. That's definitely a sentiment of me and my goals, a sentiment I express through my writing, through this podcast, and one that I know is shared by parents and kids everywhere. So I'm sure that's going to resonate with you folks. And I want you guys to check out the article. So being that this is episode 156, if you go to spuntoday.com forward slash podcast forward slash 156, you can read the article in its entirety there. It's a really dope story, so you should definitely check it out. Amanda is also a podcaster. She's the co-host of the podcast Che, which, by the way, is a diagraph. And if you don't know what a diagraph is, you're dumb. Now let me stop. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. And she actually breaks it down in the very beginning of this episode, so don't feel bad if you didn't know what it was. But a diagraph, it Che is the diagraph for the word teach. Don't quote me on that because I'm probably butchering it, but it's something along those lines. She and her co-host Mike started this podcast, which is a teaching podcast for teachers that teach. It's definitely a cool show. I will link to it in the episode notes of this episode of the Sponsored Podcast, so definitely check them out. And last but not least, before we jump into the show, I wanted to give a special shout out to my boy my guy, Lionel Lucas. Lionel is Amanda's husband, as well as a near and dear friend of mine. I've known Lionel for, damn, a long time. (laughs) I've known Lionel since I was in, I want to say like eighth or ninth grade. So definitely thank you to you, bro, for having the idea for this episode and putting us together. And Lionel himself is overdue for an appearance on the Spun Today podcast. So we definitely have to make that happen sooner than later. All right, folks, without further ado, but before we dive right into the episode, here is a very quick way that you can help support this show if you so choose. 
You know that feeling that you get on a Monday when you're sad because the weekend is over and you have nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear, the Midday Monday Boost Letter is here. And you might be thinking, what is the Midday Monday Boost Letter? Sounds like a mouthful. And it is, but it's also more than that. I put together this absolutely free newsletter that I email to all my subscribers every Monday at noon to spread a little joy and happiness. If you choose to subscribe, all you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. And what you'll get is five things. You'll get a photo of the week, which who doesn't like looking at dope pictures? You'll also get a podcast of the week. I listen to dozens and dozens of podcasts every single week from a wide variety of shows. And I cherry pick the very best ones and share them with you as my recommendation for that week. Also in the Midday Monday Boost Letter, you will find a video of the week, which could be anything from a cool online recipe that I found, to a rap battle, to a TED Talk, or a dope interview. I also share a quote of the week, a little food for thought, as well as a word of the week for my fellow wordsmiths out there. Again, this is all absolutely free, and you can get my newsletter by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you will get the very next one. What's up, folks? What's going on? Today, we have a treat on the Spun Today podcast. We have Miss Amanda Lucas, one half of the hosts of the podcast Che, Mm -hmm. which we were just discussing. A, which is a podcast about teaching and the education system. And I was asking Amanda if the name of the podcast is Che or Teach. It's Che. And yeah. she was just about to explain it to me. So, so. The, the logo says Teach, right? But the CH is like really prominent. It's a funny story. We were, my friends and I, who worked together in, school, in a school, teacher friends. We were um, at a picnic in Prospect Park. And we thought we were never going to see each other again. Because I just left, right? I had just quit. It was the summer. Um, and I was going to another school. And two of us, um, two other teachers were leaving. And so one of my friends was like, we should start a podcast more to keep in touch than anything else. Just to like touch base every weekend and talk about, you know, what's going on in our lives and in our schools. And um, we were joking. And we were like, what do we call it? If we did it, what would we call it? Would it be teaching or teachers or tea or ch? And then that was like a joke. We like laughed about it. Chuh, that would be so funny. And then we thought, chuh is a digraph, right? So what is that? What is that digraph? A digraph is two letters that make one sound. Like S-H-T-H-C-H. Ah, okay, okay. So when you're, you're teaching already on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you teach kids to read, digraphs are some of the hardest because they're drilled in like, W is W and H is H, so W H making one sound for them is hard sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, or like C H is actually the hardest one to teach them because the two letters don't sound like themselves at all in that okay. diagram. So we were like, well, C H is like hard to teach, um, and it's fun to say, and the podcast is about teaching, which is hard, but we're trying to stay positive, so we're just gonna call it Ch. Um, and it and everybody. It's confused, so <laughs> I don't know if it's no, going to stay cool. like that. No, not. but the, I, I like the logo. Uh, mm-hmm. I listened to an episode, like I was telling you, mm-hmm. and uh, the logo definitely obviously drives home the teach because it has the TEA yeah. on the top left. 
Um, it's really cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Thank nice. you. All right, so you are a middle school teacher, yeah, right? Six, seven, eight. Six, seven, eight. That was mm-hmm. actually one of my questions. If yeah. it, so, I remember like when I was in junior high. Well, first of all, when did that switch? Uh, this is actually my th- first year doing middle school. Oh, okay, what were you doing? So before? I did my very first job teaching was pre-K. And then I went to a charter school where I was an assistant teacher in the third grade. And then I taught second, and then I taught first, and now I'm six, seven, eight. Wow, okay. Yeah. And with, I guess with six, seven, eight, you get all grades, right? Like all different grades? All three grades, sixth, okay. seventh, and eighth grade. But I only teach ELA, so English language arts. Yeah. Ah, okay and how long have you been doing that just this year um this is my very first like academic year it ends on monday actually so from september until now this is my first time doing that grade i'm never going back <laughs> staying there <laughs> i love it it's so good. oh really yeah like you're never going back to the younger no younger no grades. no yeah no. Uh, i love okay. them i mean they're sweet and everything but it's such a different thing when you can like talk to kids about literature and they get it and they understand like nuance and stories and you know what i mean yeah, yeah, you yeah. can like bring it to their real lives and they do like really great projects and stuff like the babies you're like more teaching them reading versus actually how like, to read exactly okay. you know what i mean yeah and how long were you were you teaching the younger grades for four years nice. four years yeah and is that something you always wanted to do the teaching no. or no actually so i love this question we, we were talking before <laughs> also about the like the, the magazines the yeah magazines and stuff mm-hmm. like that, so. so i always it was it's funny from i think from the age of nine, I wanted to be a journalist. And it always had to be something with reading and writing because that's what I, I love, right? Um, and so I thought I was going to be a journalist and I went to college for ELA. And when I was getting my English degree, everybody was like, what are you going to do with an English degree, right? Like nobody's going to get, you, they're not going to pay you. Like writers don't get paid. They're all struggling artists. Mm-hmm. And then like teachers don't get paid. Like you're going to end up teaching. And I was like, hell no, I'm not going to end up. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and then here we are. Fast forward. <laughs> right. I was like, no, my ELA degree is going to be, I'm going to be like um, a, a famous writer and it's going to be amazing. And no. Which you still can be. I mean, here we are though. <laughs> Currently teaching. So um, when I was in college, I did an internship at Gotham Writers Workshop. Shout out to them because they're amazing. It is a... Um, a writing workshop, a creative writing workshop for adults in, uh, in the city. It's on like 38th and 8th. Okay. And so and they're still active, right? Yeah, they're active. They're amazing people. They're so fantastic. For the folks listening, I'm going to link to their website and probably like IG page or whatever social media they, they might have in the episode notes of this episode. They're fantastic. Yeah, that's great. So um, I interned there. And um, so I would just like sign people up for classes and things, but I met the teachers and I met the administration, the administrative team. And when I was there, they gave me as a perk because it was a free internship for college credits, but they gave me um, classes. So, and the classes were so expensive. This just brings me back. When I was young, before I, I did that, before I had the internship, I remember looking at their website and being like, oh my God, I want to take one of these classes so bad. And at the time, I was working at State Farm as a receptionist. Mm-hmm. I was like 19, probably. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I was like looking at, yeah, I was about 19. So I, I was looking at the website, and I was like, damn, I want to take these classes so bad. But they're like $500, and I don't have that. And, you know? Yeah, yeah. And one of my coworkers was like, ask your family to buy it for you. 
And I was like, nah, I'm not going to ask nobody. And then I applied for the internship and I got it. And then like all the classes were free. So it was amazing. (laughs) So I was able to do all the classes. I did memoir. I did children's lit. Did you leave State Farm at that point? Yeah. For the internship? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I left State Farm. I went um, back to school and I left school for a little bit because I had a baby. Mm. Then I went back to school, did the, um, the internship networked met a bunch of people and was working on my writing and it was like the time of my life i loved it and then the internship was over and i was like where am i going from here because i don't want to just sign people up for classes and in order to teach there you have to have been published like like a significant publication Mm -hmm. you know and um i hadn't been published yet do they have like specific metrics for that for like what's considered significant uh, a significant publication um from what i've seen of the teachers that are there they all have novels out or like if they're teaching, um, you know, article writing or something like that, they have multiple, you know, they have gotcha. time um, invested already, like years doing freelance or either, you know, being a senior editor at a magazine or something like that. Gotcha. You know I mean? Okay. And so I was, like seasons. Seasoned yeah, they were seasoned. Yeah. Like credits behind them. Right. Right. And I was, you know, still in school. So it's not like I could have, all I really could have done there aside from the, the classes and the internship was you know, um, maybe sign more people up and you know, do that kind of thing. And I wanted to be more active in like the writing community. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what do I do from here? So then I got an internship at um, Parenting Before Magazine. Before we switch over, yeah. not, not, not to cut you off, but yeah. the, like you mentioned, the, like the classes were mm-hmm. like one of the best times of, of your life. Mm-hmm. Like what specifically, or like what, oh, like so what, 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 what was entailed like in a class? Like okay, you so, walk in, like yeah. what are they teaching you? How are they teaching you? What are you writing? So they had, um, the classes were about 10 people. I don't think I've been in a class that had more than 10 people. So they were fairly small. Mm -hmm. And then um, you had one of these teachers who was seasoned and knew what they were talking about. And they gave small lessons, like mini lessons, um, on like plot and point of view and those kinds, you know, the things. character development. Yeah, the things that you need to know. Right. But the bigger piece was um, the booths. They were called booths. So every person in the class has a story that they're actively working on and you bring in um, a piece of it that you want to workshop. So up to 10 pages that you want to workshop. So we each had a chance to bring in um, one or two sections of our book. So we would go like once or twice, depending on how many people were in the class and you would bring in like 10 pages, distribute it to the class and everybody would spend the week analyzing and editing and critiquing for you. And then they will come back and, and tell you what they got from it. And what can make it better and what questions that they had and so it's like having like nine editors yeah like, yeah okay. it was cool. fantastic and then um it was really fun to read other people's stories too you know yeah like one of the people that i had class with oh there's so many stories because you're in the heart of new york city and like there's people from everywhere who come there and want to share their stories and, and they're so interesting some of them um, there's some that I still remember that i'm like Dad, i i need to find this book i don't know what they titled yeah. it or what but it was amazing <laughs> Um, Mr. Met, you know, the guy who dresses up with the big baseball yeah, yeah. head. Um, the Mets mascot. The Shout Mets, out to the Mets. Yeah, the Mets mascot. He was taking a class there. Really? Yeah, <laughs> he was taking a class and he wanted to write his story about what it was like to be Mr. Met. Did he ever like dress up as Mr. Matt? Like, no, he didn't okay. bring it, but he, <laughs> he was saying that um, that would have been funny if he had yeah. it on and was writing it. <laughs> like the whole time, just in the back of the class. <laughs> he was saying that his identity, like part of the job was to hide his identity. So nobody was allowed to know who Mr. Matt actually was. Wow. So um, he had so, so many stories like of when he had to travel with the, you know, the like whole with the big team. thing. 
with the um with the costume oh, okay, and okay. hiding his identity it was just so it was so funny and so new york you know because yeah. the things that he had to deal with with like rowdy fans and angry people and stuff it was True. amazing <laughs> yeah so it was really fun i can imagine that's really cool yeah and to, so the, sto- the stories that everybody was workshopping were they like topic based like everybody was working on the same type of topic or just like genre. bring whatever oh okay. genre so like if you were doing memoir right which I took memoir classes, everybody was working on a memoir. Oh, okay. Or gotcha. like nonfiction or children's uh, literature or um, creative writing was more broad, but okay. there was like a, there was a, um, like a fiction class. Yeah, it was all genre. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And all right. So then from there, you transitioned over to Parent? Parenting Magazine. magazine? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Tell me about that. Which wasn't the same really, but it was interesting too, because I went to um, Parenting and the editor who hired me, her name was Margaret Hargrove, one of the best people on the planet. She's amazing. So my job was to do, you know, intern stuff, you know, a little bit of everything, just everything, <laughs> just like logging stuff and, and uh, archiving things. And which was cool, because if you go into magazines, they have like especially parents and parenting magazines and American Baby, which I also work for. They have like a toy room like a baby room and they had like all the things that like brands would send in that they wanted to be featured featured. yeah so and they would keep it all in a room and they would do like a sale at the end of the month nice (laughs) and you could like get a bunch of stuff like really nice stuff for like a dollar nice um that was cool and um, that's a cool part yeah and then there was um there were archives so there was like a whole room of their all of their um magazines dating way back to like when they first started nice and um that was really cool. i used to get lost in that room a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah so i did that internship and while i was there they expect the interns to like generate ideas right which was easier for me than other interns because i was already a mom yeah. and um it was parenting magazine so a lot of the other interns like did you know they would they would derive uh, ideas from you know their friends or family but i um i had a kid so i had a lot to say and I would read their magazine and be like, "And what year was this?" This was, oof, this was in 2010. This was in, yeah, it was. I think it was Damn, 2010, okay. 2011. Yeah, so they they would ask for ideas, and I gave mm-hmm. a lot of ideas, which made me stand out a little bit. And so I got a really great letter of recommendation for my next internship, um, which was Parents Magazine. And Parents Magazine. And there's now, no affiliation between those two no there wasn't but now um parenting no longer exists and parents acquired them if i'm not mistaken gotcha so um i went to parents and parents was an uh it was a it was like a level up you know it that's that was the number one national magazine for parents gotcha okay and there were there are lots but that's the number that was the number one and um i got a lot more writing opportunities there so i was constantly writing and pitching and then um what was the what was the this is interesting to me what was the not that everything else wasn't <laughs> i don't want to seem like that what was the the recommendation was for what job because it was it it was another, another internship, internship? Yeah, okay it was another internship so. but in this internship you were it was like paid. it was more <laughs> it was a paid internship yeah. and it was more like writing focused yes it was more writing focused okay. yeah so yeah so i i killed that i remember being so proud of myself being like wow i was made for this This is amazing right and it was because i had a kid and because i had so many ideas like being a mom of a kid who was already in school in the public school system in new york Mm -hmm. where we were based 
and um, you know, all the things that she was going through and the things that I was seeing from the teachers and everything. I was like, we, th- we need to cover this and that. And, th- yeah. and, and um, they lived for it. And I got to interview um, some celebrities, which was really cool. Oh, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, I interviewed cool. um, Lisa Leslie. Damn. Yeah, and I interviewed... Um, uh, damn, what's her name now? They were not, they were not like, you know, it wasn't yeah. Beyonce, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what's her name from uh, Clarissa Explains It All? What's her name? I do not know. Her. Somebody listening to this knows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a few celebrities. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, who else? Um, Carrie Walsh Jennings, you know, the, no. the, the volleyball, the, the, She's a Olympic volleyball player. Okay. And she nice. was like pregnant and won a gold medal. While pregnant? Yeah, while pregnant. What? So I didn't know about her until I did that story. But <laughs> I didn't know about her until right now. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was cool because even though they weren't, you know, it wasn't like they weren't like go to the Grammys. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I was like, what? Still, I get to talk to cool. these people? Yeah. They didn't talk to me? It was really cool. Um, so that was fun. And then there was a, so Parents Magazine and American Baby Magazine and... um. There's another one, a food one. Forget the name of it. Um, it's all Meredith Corporation. That's the name of the company. Right? Okay. And they all shared a floor. So all three magazines were on the same floor. And it was like a really open space. Uh, it was the senior editors and the, um, and the editor-in-chief who had the, the offices. But everybody okay. else was like in cubicles in the middle of yeah. the place. And, um, like a typical corporate Yeah, setup. right. Um, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was like in this high rise and you could see like New York. Tell me... If this is true for you, like when you go to the city that you, mm-hmm. the energy, like the vibe, like is infectious. No, like it you is, go it there. Is. I like, I would walk to work and take the elevator up and look out the window and be like, oh, I'm about to go crazy today. Yeah, like, like, I'm just like, going to be so world, productive. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel that way because I work, I work in the city. My, my day job is in, in finance. I work downtown like three blocks away from where the Freedom Tower is now. Oh, nice. And it's not that high. It's like on a 15th or 18th floor. I don't even remember because yeah. post-covid haven't been there in a while yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, you definitely feel that way but it it also you also i guess i like, take it for granted a little bit yeah and you get lost in like the mundane tasks of mm-hmm. you know just taking uh, the subway and yeah. having to deal with that and walking through crowds of people yeah. and waiting for the elevator and yeah. this and that and for sure the commute yeah. stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> the commute is trash but, but i definitely i get what you're saying there's yeah. like a, a romanticism to it yeah i mean i would get out and i would I'm telling you, it was a, it was something about the building and the people there, and I, I just I would get so um, excited, like just to be there, and because I knew that like my work mattered, and that people cared about what I wanted to say. There's something to be said for having a job that wants to know what you think. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And yeah. then like post- you're just not a, a cog in the machine, yeah. which is more like in my in my day job world, like the finance world, like that's what you are. Yeah. But with you, it seems like you're you're working in an environment that you're passionate about yeah. that has to do with writing has to do with parenting it's like multiple facets of your life like crisscrossing right. at the same time mm-hmm. and you have the, like this great opportunity and people are actually listening to you and like yeah. oh that's that's yeah. you know are interested in what you have to say right and it was so cool because we would get into um staff meetings you know and the editor-in-chief would be like amanda what do you think tell me what i want to know what you think about this and like my daughter was able to come and do toy testing for wow the, yeah for the um the December, the, the Christmas issue, you know? And so they would have all the toys, all the new toys that were coming out and they brought kids from different age groups and gave them the toys that they were considering, you know, publishing about. Okay. And the kids spent the whole day just testing that's the toys. Awesome. That's like a dream yeah. life for her. <laughs> yeah. So I got to bring her, I brought her many times. 
because um you know they want it's about kids and so they wanted to involve her and so she would come she they would take it to the toy room the toy closet and she would just get to take whatever she wanted and wow yeah it was really cool and um they were doing a Father's Day video, which you can probably find online still somewhere. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is Lionel on it? No, she oh. is. So she, it was, um, she was little. She's 13 now. But she was um, really small then. She was probably like six. And so they took her into this like room where they were recording the kids. And she was a little intimidated because it was like, you know, lights and speakers yeah. and whatever. And the editors, and there was like an X on the floor where she needed to stand. And they asked her questions about her dad. And then they made like a compilation like, a bunch of kids answering questions about their dads and put oh, it out for, really cool. yeah, for Father's Day. And it was really cool. So I loved it. I love that job. I'm going to see if I can find that video. Yeah. And then um, I left there and, well, the internship was over. Um, and like I said, American Baby was on the same floor, right? So I came to the end of the internship and they said to me, um, one of the editors from the parent side, you know, they all talk and they spoke to an editor on the parenting side. I'm sorry, on the American baby side. And they said, um, there's a, a position open for editorial assistant and Amanda is great and you need to take her. And I was like, cool. So I went over, they interviewed me anyway, you know, and I walked across the floor and had and my at interview. At that point, did you know what like that position was exactly? Like what so was entailed? I, I wasn't entirely sure, but I knew that it was the next step. True. I thought I was going to be editor in chief at some point, right? Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the editor in chief of this, right? So like, um, I'm that's gonna, a dope mindset to have also. yeah so i was like oh i'm gonna take these steps like i know editorial assistant is next that's just the next step yeah, so i gotta I'm gonna pay my dues it. yeah go through the motions right so um oh and while i was an intern one of my articles i wrote about my daughter because um she wanted a sewing machine did you know the story no no she wanted a sewing machine for christmas and she was she was five she was five she wanted a sewing machine and i was like you can't tie your shoes you're not getting a sewing machine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no <laughs> right you're not getting that yeah. and needles five-year-olds yeah, no we're not know. gonna do that but my parents being the spoilers you know like that all the, grandparents the grandparent, are right they bought her an adult sewing machine for her for christmas <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah and so um we i was like i don't know how to do this like how am i gonna teach what are we doing here <laughs> so we watched the video there's like a came on like a cd um that shows how to use it and we watched it and she sat down at the machine like followed the directions and made a pillow you know what? about her little pillow business she made a pillow. Are you serious? Yeah, she had a little pillow business for a minute, and um, she made a pillow. And then the next That's day, so cool. Yeah, the next day, um, I took her to get supplies because all she had was fabric, and she put blankets inside because we didn't have any cotton, <laughs> right? So then we went to the store and we got her. I got her more fabric, and I got her buttons, and I got her, you know, things, you know, cotton. Yeah. And she started making pillows, and they were so cute. She was putting like little faces on the pillows, and it was adorable. Wow. Right? So I was posting it on Instagram, and everybody was like, "Oh my god, I love! Oh my, can I get one?" Like, and um, there's an organization called Old Field Planters in the Bronx, and they um provide scholarships for kids who are trying to go to school to college. Okay. And they asked her to come to their um a banquet that they were having, and they asked her to be a keynote speaker. And they gave her the opportunity to sell some pillows there. Really? Yeah. And so how, how did they, did they find you like through social media? Social media. That, yeah. Oh, okay. And, um, so they, yeah, they gave her that opportunity. And then, then, um, one of the girls at the magazine that I worked with her, her friend, a friend of hers from college, they went to Syracuse was like a PR person and they had like a team, like, um, a team of girls that were just starting it. They were making their own PR company, right? Okay. And they wanted her as a client. 
What? Yeah. So <laughs> they were so cool. like, yeah. So they came and we met many times. They came and they made videos and they made our website and they, they were like making PR like packages that they sent to um, like Ellen and Steve Harvey and like everywhere. Nice. And we got some calls back from Steve Harvey. We were going to go see Steve Harvey and we were going to see Ellen and we were going to see. Wow. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. Lana, I can't believe you've never told me about any of this. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. <laughs> Yeah. And um, so we that ball was rolling. And um, I told my editors because they have a creativity issue that came out in October. And so I, I, I was also in charge of their blog. So I wrote about it on the blog um, and I was able to blog. I think it was three times a week that I had to publish something, mm-hmm. which was such a good exercise for me because I was used to like taking forever to write something and edit it to and make sure that out. it was ready. Yeah, yeah. And there I had to get it out like like True. this. So, so it was like a, a good balance between like the usual, like, like me as a writer, also like the uh, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Like, that you get, yes. Like, stuck in. Yeah. So it's, it's a, which I also don't agree with just like put stuff out, put stuff out, put stuff no. out either. But yeah. that's a good balance to have like yes. both, you know, and then yes. you get to see like both sides and find yeah. like, your happy medium there. Yeah. So, um, so I wrote about it on the blog and one of the editors was like, you know, this is a great story. And they knew her because she came so many times. They were like, this is a really great story. We decided that we're gonna um, we're gonna feature her. It's gonna be a feature article wow. in the October issue, and I was like, "What? what? <laughs> That's me? awesome!" It was so cool. It was a two page spread, and they sent the photographers to the house, and they did like a photo shoot, and it was just it was such a highlight. That was like That's amazing. Oh, That's it was incredible. Yeah. Um, Do they have that online now, by any chance? Her like that, that article? article? I don't know. I'm not sure. We should we should check that I'll out. I'll see. I'm gonna check if they do. I'll also link to it in the episode notes for this episode. Yeah. So my last name was different then. <laughs> I wasn't married yet. So yeah. Um, it was just it was a really awesome experience being at parents. And then when I did my interview for the editorial assistant position at American Baby, the editor who was interviewing me made it clear she was like i know that you're a writer we know that you're a writer um because that article got so much praise in the office because no interns had written a feature article before that's unheard of right and the editor-in-chief knew me by name and i thought that was so amazing like i would lose my damn mind she would come she came by she would come by my little cubicle sometimes and be like that article that you wrote was like really great and i was like what what (laughs) 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 so i thought i was gonna stay there forever um, and then uh, when I did the interview, the the editor was like, okay, we know that you're a writer, but this is not a writing position, right? This mm-hmm. is more like clerical. So are you okay with doing that? And I was like, how can I say no, right? True. Of course, I'm yeah. going to do the clerical stuff. Yeah. So um, it was not, it was, the internship was like $7.50 an hour. And then editorial assistant was like $10 an hour. So, and it's freelance. So, um, and I had a child, right? And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. I need to, it, it, there was a benefit to having a child in that industry because I had a lot of ideas and a lot to contribute, You had right? that perspective, yeah. Yes, but when you're an intern or on your way up in this, in the magazine industry, you, you're going to be poor for a while. You know what I mean? True. You're not going to make- Usually a long while. Yeah. And, like and anything writing related. But. The turnover rate there, at the layoff rate was banana. Like they would lay off like 70 people a year. Wow. Like, I, the, the editor who hired me for my first internship at parenting was let go and came as a fact checker to um, Parents Magazine wow. while I was there. And it was just common. My senior editor at, parent, at parenting 
got laid off and came to work at parenting um, in a lower position because that's just the, the, the way that the cookie crumbles, I guess, yeah. in that place. They, it's, a, it's a downfall of the, that industry that you don't really have job security and you don't really have, there's no money in it until you get really far, right? So you have to grind. True. So um, the grind was harder for me being responsible for a life. Um, and then I didn't feel the same passion. Like as much as I was like, okay, I'm going to deal with this, right? Like this is just a step in the direction that I want to go. Um, it was, it got mundane. It got like gotcha. really boring. And then I started to process like part of my job was processing contracts for the freelance freelancers and I'm getting these contracts and I have to like file them and, you know, do whatever needed to be done with them. And I was noticing like what they were getting paid for the same size articles that I was writing. And I was like, what am I doing here? Because I knew that I was a writer above all else. I, I was a writer. Mm -hmm. And the writers who were at home writing, they were home. They didn't have to come in. They, have, you know, they were home. They were writing. They were focusing on their writing. Focusing on their, on their writing, right? Pitching a bunch of stories, just generating ideas and sending them in. And for a tiny paragraph, they would get $500. And like that feature article that I wrote would have gotten me thousands. But I didn't get paid anything because I was working in the office. So my work was just, you know. Your, yeah. ide your ideas were free. And they other were free. ideas were being paid for. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I tried to get out of that and I tried to get into the website, you know, doing like the website things. Um, and, but that wasn't a fit either. They had me doing that for a little while. I had like four screens on my desk and it would give me a headache. I was like, I just want to, can I? You know, like, just give me, let me do <laughs> like, yeah. And so I was, I was doing that job, but I was constantly pitching. I was still pitching, always pitching. And um, my editor got really mad at me. And she was like, I don't, you, you need to start like focusing on, stop sending us story ideas. Like we don't want your story ideas. Dang. And I, that was a blow because that's what made it so exciting for me, True. you know? Like, that was it, like your main your main driver yeah like you don't want my story ideas like what is wrong with you <laughs> and then i was i was getting paid ten dollars an hour and it just didn't seem worth it so i was like let me try freelancing right sat down i had a, a meeting with the editor-in-chief and she was like you are this always... is the one that, that liked you yeah that liked the article and stuff. she's okay. the editor-in-chief for both magazines okay yeah so i went and sat down with her and she was like you're always going to be welcome to write for us always right and if you're not happy like we're, we will take your articles if you want to do it as a freelancer, right? Um, the thing is, they're not just going to take your articles because they like you. And they're not just going to take your articles because you think they're good. They have to fit into the specific issue, right? True. That they're putting out. And so I tried it. I left the magazine and I went home and I started like trying to freelance. And I was pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching. And I would get out of 10 articles that I would pitch, I would get one picked up. And then it would take by them, by the same, company. by different people. Oh, okay. I got published in, um, there's, there's actually a website called pampers.com. I don't know if you know that, but pampers has a website, um, like the diapers, like the company? diapers. Yeah. Okay. They have, um, stories for parents on there. So I wrote a, a story, I wrote articles for them. I wrote articles for, um, smiles for all, which is like just a feel good, um, website where you go to read stories that are supposed to uplift you. I wrote for them. I wrote for, um, young adult magazine online. I did a, a short story for them, which was actually a memoir, but they didn't know that. Nice. <laughs> um, it was a short story that I wrote for them. 
I wrote I wrote for a few different um uh publications. I'm but, gonna I'm gonna look for all these online. Yeah. And, um or if you have them send them to me. But if not yeah. I'm gonna look for them and it was it was under Amanda what? Nesbot, my maiden name. N E S B O T. So I wrote for all of them, but and I would get paid for it, but it would take months and months and months to get paid for it, which was actually worse than getting paid ten dollars an hour. True. Yeah. Um so that was really hard and then I had to I had to go back to work eventually. I was like, I need to go do something that's gonna, you know, bring the money in. True. Um, you ready for Which me to start the, talking about the, the, the plight of many, many of us writers? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I actually did like a year of, I did a year of freelance and then I did a year of like receptionist, like clerical things, like to hold me over until I could find something. And I was looking at like, um, openings and magazines and I would look at them and I'd be like, do I, do I want to be in the office doing the clerical? Is that what I want to do? Mm-hmm. Or do I really just want to focus on my craft? Like, what am I going to do here, right? So I, um, I started to write a, a book, and I went back to Gotham, and I took a bunch of more classes. And um, I worked uh, on my book for a really long time. I'm still working on the, bike, the book. It, it's, nice. um, yeah. So I got two, about 220 pages in, and I, it's, it's not done. I told you I'm going to have to cut probably half of that. But I did a lot of writing uh, for the book and taking classes. And then I was like, maybe I should teach. Everybody told me that I should teach. Before mm-hmm. I even went to college, people told me that I should teach, right? My mom is a teacher. My daughter is very studious. And we do a lot of, like, I'm always teaching her. And um, so everybody's like, you'd be a really good teacher. And I was like, no. Mm-mm. You have an act for it. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, I won't. And then it got to the point where everybody, I mean, my in-laws were telling me I should be a teacher. I went outside and my neighbor was like, hey think about being a teacher <laughs> like damn like fine yeah. i get it <laughs> right exactly and then i was like all right let me see what i can do here so i applied for um a position as a um teaching assistant in a in a preschool and i did that and what was that here here in queens it was or? in brooklyn okay and i felt free in a way because you're not sitting at a desk there's such a difference when you're sitting at a desk all day you know, doing clerical work and when you can get up and move and interact and do things. Yeah. It's more um, of a dynamic yeah. type of job. So it was fun, but I knew I didn't want to be with the babies because there was a lot of poop and a lot of crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I can't do this. No. Um, and then I saw a position, which I don't know if it's a figment of my imagination, because once I got into <laughs> once I got into this next job, everybody was like, What position are you talking about? But I saw a position online at Success Academy Charter School that said that they wanted somebody to be in their corporate office who chose, who like curated the books that the middle school kids were going to read. And I was like, that's me. That is me. Because I read a lot. I read about 60 books a year, right? Wow. Yeah. What? I'm always reading. So, and I was like, this would be great for me. Like Like all, all like, like hard copy paperback reading or like audiobooks or like everything mix or everything okay. i don't discriminate there's <laughs> audiobooks wow. i like i like that's um, amazing i like um the physical books the most mm-hmm. um but my nonfiction i do on audio and um what else the kindle I have a kindle some people yeah, yeah. hate on the kindle but it's great yeah. when, you're, when you're tied up doing other things you need your hands um so yeah i read a lot so i was like this would be a great thing if i could do this job and then i, I but i was doubting myself so i, I spoke to my family and my brother actually knew an assistant principal at that school. Wow. And he said, um, let me introduce you to her. So I went and visited, but she, she was at the high school. And I went and visited the high school and I loved it. I thought it was amazing. 
and they had like this gorgeous library and you know the kids were exposed to so much that you know newer books from people of color not just like the old you know typical books that the kids with that we grew up reading yeah um, like the usual and then uh, during, during february we'll hear about a, a, black few, history a, a few other non-whites <laughs> right and that's it yeah they had like a really great library and the teacher seemed good and it just seemed really cool um but i was pregnant at the time and i was like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to come in september and she said no we hire like throughout the year you can come in october you can come you know whenever oh sweet and i was like oh cool so i started as an assistant teacher i had to go it was like a three-step process um and i was had um a group um interview seven months pregnant and i felt like everybody was looking at me like what do you think you're <laughs> like go home and have that baby <laughs> chill out <laughs> like is she about to right. did her water just break right now I'm like what's <laughs> right what are you doing here go home um but they gave me the job and i um i started that october so i had the baby july and then i had i started in october and i was an assistant teacher in um third grade and it was phenomenal it was nice. phenomenal i mean listen Charter schools are hard. They're very hard. I mean, I think everybody knows like the the reputation that it's rigorous and the hours are long and and it really was. But and they, is it compared to compare uh, real quick? Uh, quick aside, the like compared to a public school, let's say a third grade average public school versus a, a third grade average uh, charter school. Is it like the curriculum is that different or like much more demanding or like the bars are set like at different levels it depends it depends on what school you're talking about okay so in our building so we were co-located with a public school which is a big pain point for some people they hate that we use the space um and i tend to agree with that because the charter school has the money to have their, to own, have space. their own space yeah. yeah but um we were co-located with a public school in the inner city this is like you know prospect heights brooklyn mm. and that public school was not where I would send my children. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. I would not it was just not the same level of like rigor or care or you could tell by the way that the kids were spoken to and the way that the kids behaved, the standard was much lower. But my daughter at the time was in a public school in Woodhaven that was phenomenal that I found to be better than the charter school. Wow, nice. Okay. So yeah. it depends. You just have to do research, you sure. know? Um, the charter school was excellent because they really do like expect a lot from the kids and they give them, um, they let them know, like, we believe that you can do this and we're going to make sure that you do this. And their levels, I mean, if you talk to a second grader from success Academy, they're going to, they're going to be able to speak to you about things or, or show you things or do some kind of math that you wouldn't believe nice. that a second grader could do. Right. But they do lack the ability to be children. In a way. So they have, um, they have like a 20 minute recess, which is not enough if you ask me. Um, they have art and the art program is fantastic. Um, they have music, they have dance. A lot of them have, um, well, my school didn't have music, but some of them do. They have chess, but they don't have enough time for that. And in order to get the, the grades that they have, because Success Academy is number one in the region for um state test scores okay um for like 11 years now in a row but in order for like them for to, all grades or like elementary elementary or, okay so for them to get those <laughs> grades they really have to emphasize the schoolwork the, yes the, the work academia of it. yes and so the kids are required to 
stay very still <laughs> and very silent for really long stretches of time. AKA not be kids. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I mean, there's something to be said for having really good classroom management. True. You can't, you're not teaching anything if the kids are not listening to you, right? But um, there has to be a balance. I would, yeah, I was about to say, I would yeah. imagine it's like a balance. Like yeah. as a teacher. You need, you, and they try, they do try to give the kids a balance, but it's not enough. Like I expect a lot from my daughter. But I wouldn't, I'd never put her there because I didn't want her to feel like she's very creative. I mean, she, you know, mm -hmm. she made the pillows and everything, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't want her to feel like, you know, I can't express myself. I can't, you know, speak to my friend. They barely had time to, to socialize. To like socialize yeah. And um, that's important. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not just about the grades. Like they need True. both. Um, but success was, was great because they, um, they offer a free master's. For their teachers and for a long nice. time it was through hunter college and now i think they went back to toro still like they offer the free masters um they offer so many things like lunch was always free we had like a pantry and a refrigerator and they would ask us what we wanted to order and they would just order it nice so like we were able to eat whatever we wanted and they really took care of us i mean they had a team that did the new york city marathon and they gave you like trainers and everything there was trainers from equinox that would come and take care of us that's like, really cool it's really a great place for millennials, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was like, it was so much that they gave to us um, that was, you know, that made me feel like they thought about the whole person. True. And, and I met some of my favorite people, like my best friends in that school. They were, they were fantastic. However, the same way that they expect a lot from the kids, they expect a lot from the teachers, right? So it was very common to work 10 and 12 hours. Wow. So we would get to work at 6.30, sometimes 6.15 if there was testing. We would get there at, yeah, 6 in the morning, 6.15, 6.30, and then leave at 6, 6.30. Wow. Um, and there was just so many deliverables. Long days. Yeah, so much to do. And I had a three-month-old baby, and I was nursing. Wow. And um, I was nursing full-time. She wasn't taking formula. So I was doing, yeah, full-time nursing, three-month-old baby, master's degree, and school. Wow. And I think I had a mental breakdown probably twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I would be on the floor in the bathroom crying like, "Why am I doing this?" <laughs> but, that actually leads into what one of the questions I had for you. Yeah. Which is, have you ever like, how do you deal? And I, I guess this ties into classroom management. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine every teacher goes through like a version of this, but the quote unquote like bad kids, or mm. like if there's a fight in the class, yeah. or. Like dealing with a kid that just doesn't want to listen to you or just yeah. gets up and walks out or throws something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you deal with like that? Yeah. Okay. It depends like, on the grade, right? Do you want to so throw the, one of the kids out the window or? or like <laughs> oh my God. I had a little boy. I had a little boy. The worst situation. And any teacher who's been teaching for like a, a decent amount of time, right, has dealt with, has had something thrown at them. We've all, it has happened to all of us. They've had somebody throw a tantrum, or especially the younger grades. It's happened to all of us. The craziest situation for me was a little boy um, who got mad and he took his clothes off in the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> he was in his underwear. It's a weird underwear. way to express anger. <laughs> <Right? Like. laughs> he was angry. So he, he was in his underwear and he like climbed the radiator and was like what? screaming <laughs> on the radiator in his underwear. It's like no, no amount of training could, <laughs> right? could prepare you for that moment. No. Like, oh my God. I was like, um, okay, we're going to have to move the rest of the class out of here. Just give him the room because... <laughs> yeah. like, let him work, work through this. Yeah, let's just... <laughs> I don't want to see it. Like, don't wow. jump anywhere. Um, yeah, but 
So Success Academy was like boot camp, right? So they really taught us how to maintain and how to, how to get the kids to listen to you, how to, you know, really master classroom management. And it's all about... Hold, hold the mic a little closer. Okay. It's all about like setting expectations and then communicating with the kids constantly, like letting them know what's expected and then following through always, right? So in the beginning of the year, you let them know what to expect. You remember, you were in school and the yeah. teachers were like, what are the classroom rules, you know, day one? Um, and we had a color system, which a lot of schools have. So um, if you're, when you come the in. Red table, green table. Yeah, table, like stuff yeah. Like that. So um, when you come in, everybody's on green, right? It's like a chart that we had. And all the kids were on green, it has their names. And um, if we explain to them what the offenses were, right? So like success is very strict. So if you were not, tracking that's what they call it you had to look at the teacher when the teacher was talking to you if you were not tracking your teacher you got a warning damn yeah wow if your hands were not locked while you were sitting on the rug or at your desk you got a warning you had to lock like your hands like, crossing like cross your fingers? your fingers together yeah you had to lock your hands you had to sit up straight your two feet had to be on the floor your eyes had to be on the teacher the whole time yeah always which is like i mean come on for a kid it's, yeah like <laughs> it must be difficult yeah, yeah so and our assistant principals and principal would pop in and if a kid wasn't tracking, they would stop the lesson and be like, you don't have 100% here. Like your kids need to be tracking you. And so we would have to give them, so we walked around with a clipboard with the kids' names on mm-hmm. it and the color coordinated thing. And so they would get a warning and then the second time we had to correct them, they would um, get a second warning. So it was two greens and then two yellows. Then they would turn, like if they got a third warning, they were on yellow. And that was like, you lose time from recess. So like five minutes off of recess because you're on yellow. Or, Damn. yeah, or like five minutes in a reflection corner of the room where you had to like write what is going on with you today and like, how can you fix it? And then there was a second yellow, which was like another thing um, where they had to sit alone at, at lunch or something. And then there was red. And once you got to red, your parents were called. Double red, you were in danger of being suspended if you did wow. you know, something crazy. So the kids all knew this, and it was um, standard in every class that they went to, which is different in other schools. So I'm in a different school now, and there's different, like, there's no, like, whole school system. Um, but it was... It's, like, based on the teacher to, like, yeah. implement their own version of? Right. Okay. So it's really good um, when everyone's on the same page, because the kids know, you know, what to expect, what to expect and what's yeah. going to happen, no matter what. And so their co- the color system worked wherever they went. So if they were on um their first yellow with me and then they got in trouble in art class then they moved to their second yellow whereas now it's probably like oh i could chew gum in so-and-so's class and i can't Mm -hmm. chew gum in yours like what's going on yeah Uh. right exactly um so that just the communication and the structure of it and having we had the rules on the wall we discussed it all the time and it was standard across the board and we stuck to it and everybody knew like all the time this is what i'm expecting this is what everybody's on the same page yeah parents the students all the faculty yes um parents yeah and then when i used that same system when i went to my new school and i taught first grade but then as a middle school teacher it's a little different because like before i would say i would count down three two one and all the kids would lock their hands mm-hmm. or if we were in the hallway i would say three two one and they would like straighten up in the line and like walk very you know hands at their sides and like little like military yeah, <laughs> yeah like little soldiers they did it because i would do the countdown and they knew right but in middle school First of all, I have five classes. I have 105 kids, right? Wow. Yeah, and it's five classes and they rotate. Five classes every day. Every day. And they rotate. So they're not with me all day long. Um, and Is it still, quick question. Mm-hmm. I remember like, like for me in junior high, I went to, to 210. Mm-hmm. It was like the same, the same like 
you know, 30 kids or whatever, mm-hmm. went from class to yes. class to class. Yes. Whereas in high school, it's like, yeah, you you're have your one class schedule. with 30 kids, then mm-hmm. a different class with a yeah. different mix of kids. Okay. So no, it's still yeah. Like it's all the same. Yeah. You have your homeroom and that homeroom goes with each other everywhere. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the kids are not with me all day and I have them for 45 minutes each. And if I say three to one to a group of eighth grade, you know, 13, 14 year olds, they're going to be like, well, okay. Like zero, now. negative one, negative two. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like now what? Yeah. Right. Um, so I learned, um, that really it's about relationships. Once you get to like adolescence, it's about the relationship. So the same way, I mean, I did set the expectations and I told them in the beginning, like, I'm going to always respect you, but don't play yourself because then, you (laughs) know, like, so they understand, right? Like, I don't play. I'm a little scary, but I try to, (laughs) I try to maintain like a a good relationship with them so that they just know, like, and I still, I will take time from them from lunch. I'll make them eat upstairs with me, you know, um, but I also do like funny things. Like, have you heard of mirror work? Mirror work? No. So. It's the act of looking in the mirror and saying affirmations to kind of um, like change, boost your self confidence. Yeah, and like, like change your subconscious beliefs, right? Okay. So a lot of people like kind of self sabotage because of whatever subconscious beliefs that they have from childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And a way of breaking through that and changing the narrative in your mind is to do mirror work. Is to look in the mirror and say whatever affirmation. Like say you were you are a writer. yes you're a great writer yeah (laughs) like but say like you um grew up like thinking that you were like you were always scared right Mm -hmm. and so you live your life in fear so an affirmation would be i'm safe in the mirror constantly i'm safe i'm safe safe, right okay um so one of my one of my kids um had really low self-esteem and didn't want to do anything unless his friends did it right um and so his lunch Ended up being because he wasn't listening to me because he only wanted to listen to his friends. Mm-hmm. So his lunch um, for lunch, I told him, you're going to come upstairs and you're going to do mirror work with me. And he was like, no, <laughs> no, I can't. This is so weird. It's awkward. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I'm going to help you. This is going to help you. You're not going to like it, but it's going to help you. <laughs> and I made him do mirror work. And um, and some of them, they will have to come up and we would do journals or whatever. Nice. But I found also that a lot of the kids in the middle school are dealing with so much more than I ever imagined, you know, that I ever knew about. I mean, I'm not saying the younger kids are not, but when I got to middle school, there were problems that I, I couldn't even wrap my head around. That they're dealing with already. Yeah, that they were already dealing with. Age. And there had to be a level of empathy. There was mm-hmm. no way that I was going to be like, don't slouch. Like, no, I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, True. I get it. I, it's, a lot of my kids were coming to school hungry. Like, I'm... I, Lionel helped me actually. Um, my husband, Lionel. Shout out to Lionel. <laughs> Shout out to Lionel. He helped me organize a breakfast for them because um, they would come to school too late to get the school breakfast, and they were hungry because they weren't eating at home. And which is a a known like stat, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, here in New York, like most kids get like two uh, two of their three meals, right? If they even get three meals uh, through From the school, school. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Success Academy is is um well well funded, like just. In setting up the classroom, I was able to, I had no budget. I could use their credit card and set up my classroom. And it was and just like expense. Everything. Just, yeah, whatever I wanted. And it was beautiful. I made a gorgeous classroom. And then I came to my new school, which is a parochial, parochial school in, in Corona. And it's not funded at all. It's a Title I school, which means 95% of the population is below the poverty line. And they're wow. majority immigrants. 99% of the school is Hispanic, majority immigrants. 
and they there's no funding and there's a lot of like you know hardship that comes with that so you have to know your kids right Mm -hmm. and if you can empathize with them i feel like if they know that you love them if they know that you care not about their grades of course you care about their grades but if you care about them as a person and they can feel that then they're going to be responsive to you because more than anything like my kids they don't want to disappoint you know what i mean if they care about how you feel about them they don't want to disappoint you so like doing things like buying them breakfast or like if I had breakfast, I would split it in like 20 pieces and split, you know, give yeah. everybody in my class, um, in my homeroom class, a piece. So, you know, I, I always cared about them and they knew that. Um, and I gave them like good breaks. Like they had a um, they had a, uh, a Xbox party where they were able to bring in their consoles and like, you know, play and just chill. Nice. Um, so that's what I think gets the respect of, of the older kids. Um, but, you know. With COVID, it got really bad. Can we talk about this? Before we transition to COVID, yeah. I, I just want to say to to that point, mm-hmm. the like that type of me reflecting on like teachers that I had in the past. That's yeah. absolutely true. Like, yeah, the teachers that I gravitated uh, most towards, which one of them is Gitlitz, was my freshman English teacher. Mm-hmm. Like I, I gave her her own, her own like acknowledgement section in my in both of the books, mm-hmm. and like I always will because she she made me feel like a writer she she told me you're good at writing i love re- re- um reading your stuff yeah and, like there was a an assignment that she had called lit logs yeah. like literature logs yeah where we would like reflect on whatever book we were reading in class and she would like she would assign you know write a lit log you know answering this question or mm. whatever and that was like a, an assignment like throughout the year and like i i always remember that and she always like cared and she used to ask me about not, not just like schoolwork stuff like about home about like a girl that i was dating and she's like oh you know that girl that that you've been with she's in my freshman class and i started talking to a boy you know like like she was always like super cool yeah and and yeah it definitely goes a long way like the empathy yeah you need to invest in them as people and not just in the the grades which is hard because we have quotas you know we have certain because then you have to balance it with that business side of things right we have to reach a certain certain numbers you can't just be their best friends it's kind Mm -hmm. kind of like parenting like you can't be straight parent like militant Mm -hmm. and you know not care and be your kid's friend but you can't be their best friend either like you have to like balance like the two right yep exactly so in relation to covid Mm -hmm. like now we transitioned from the style of teaching that you've been doing Mm -hmm. obviously in person going to class and stuff like that to like now this like virtual version yeah. of right mm-hmm. like through zoom yep. I, I imagine it's zoom like tell me about that it sucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> for as convenient as it is <laughs> period like, it I, sucks. I, I, <laughs> and wrap it no done <laughs> <laughs> no it's um it's really it's really difficult because that personal connection isn't there i feel like middle school kids are probably the most vulnerable probably the most impressionable kids that there are you know what i mean like babies are baby you know the little ones they're little but yeah. once you get to middle school and you start caring about you know what your friends think and mm-hmm. socializing much becomes more impressionable. super important yeah um, your, your ability to mold them is like you have more of an ability at probably yeah. at that age yep. versus like a high school kid right like for example my kids because i'm able to choose the books that they're reading I intentionally give them Hispanic authors and Hispanic narrators nice. because that's their that's what they are, you know. And before that, they are they of age to read like Juno Diaz or anything like that? No, or, not yet, not yet. Or <laughs> uh, The Alchemist? No, Cuello, not yet. Something like that. Okay, not yet. But they're like this one. Um, I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter. 
Okay. They're going to read that one. Um, Tia Lola, they're going to read. Um, that's next year. But, like, yeah, I give them, um, I was trying to give them Elizabeth Acevedo. Do you know her? I actually follow her on Instagram because I found her through, uh, I, I try to follow, like, every writer that I, that I find mm-hmm. and, like, look into them a, a bit. And I read a book recently or listened to the audiobook of uh, Dominicana by yes. Angie Cruz. Yes, yes, yes. And through her, I found the Elizabeth Acevedo, but I haven't read, like, any of her stuff. Yeah, directly. I've read all of her stuff. I'm a fangirl, OD. Nice. Um, okay. And I want to give um, the kids, this is a conversation that we actually had, I want to give the kids um, one of her books for um, the eighth graders for next year. However, because I work in a Catholic school, I'm not supposed to um, expose them to things that go against the faith. And there is homosexuality in the, in the book. Oh, okay. And so that's like a, a ongoing conversation where I'm like, okay, but they know what it is. You know what I mean? Sure. It's they not know like, it exists. Yeah. And, and it's not like an overt thing in the book. It's not like super explored. It's just lightly mentioned. Um, but the kids actually have a lot of questions about that. And I feel sure. like, you know, so I'm still trying to <laughs> get like turning a blind eye to it and thinking it doesn't exist. Yeah. Is not, no, like, it's not helping them. It's yeah. not beneficial to them. Um, I just don't want to get the, the school sued. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I mean? sure. um, but yeah, I, yeah. So I tried to, to um, incorporate the, the, uh, the books that I think that they need to read, which is great for me. Cause I get to do that. Right. Sure. Um, which I couldn't do at success Academy. But um, yeah, when we got online because of COVID that, the interaction was so much different and the kids need the physical interact. Some of the kids just need to leave home for, sure. for a little yeah. while. They just need to leave home. And we talked about food. Like there was a line um, from the school that went 20 blocks because wow. a lot of the parents lost their income um, because, and a lot of them are immigrants and a lot of their landlords were not forgiving. Some of the kids ended up in shelters. Some of the kids lost their dads. And their grandfathers and their grandmother. I got one girl that lost three family members. Wow. Um, and not being able to be with them. You know, they're older, but they're still children. And they still yeah, need, absolutely. like, affection and love. And, like, I would see them. And they would always hug me. And they always wanted to, like, stay with me. And, I mean, I would get preps, like, breaks. And I'd be like, okay, guys, go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I need a minute. And, but they just want to be with you all the time, you know? Yeah. And they always wanted to, like, what do you need? Like, can I help you? And they wanted hugs. The kids would line up to hug me before they went to their math class. Like, oh, that's awesome. So to not have that on top of, like, them going through what they were going through was horrible. So initially, yeah. like, when we it's first... It's like at the moment where they probably needed that most. Yeah. Like, you couldn't give it to them. And they didn't have it, right? No. Um, when we first started, I said, I'm going to give the kids um, their second. So we meet, we, I, I meet them, my homeroom, I meet them in the morning. That's sixth grade. And then I meet uh, seventh grade and then I meet eighth grade and then I have homeroom again, right? With my sixth graders. And homeroom, I was like, the second homeroom period on Zoom, I made it our lunch together so that we could talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. And then we got to a point where a lot of the kids didn't have food. So then it was like, man, how can I have lunch with them if they don't, you know, if some of them yeah. are like, there's no food in my house. Like we don't have anything. That's so sad. Um, so we, we did like a big, you know, donation. I got my family involved. We went and like gave them food and as much as we could, you know, and then we, um, I, w- I bought like presents for my kids who like lost really close family members. I bought, I gave them like care packages and drove out there and put it on their, on their stoop. And, oh, that's awesome. you know, that made them happy. But, um, I, I don't know. I mean, it did 
emphasize for me how important it is to teach ELA. I mean, because that's where you can really express yourself, you know? So they had like journals and I encouraged them to write about what was happening and try to make sense of the world around them through, through writing True. And, and, um, and reading. Because of this, I chose the book Fever. Uh, where is it? This one, Fever, seventeen ninety three. Okay. This is about the yellow fever when it happened, oh, and it's okay. a it's a girl around their age who was dealing with yellow fever that that affected everyone. So um, you could definitely like relate to it. Yeah. So That's um, cool. I don't know. I mean, if I were a math teacher, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> you sure. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do I get them? Because the emotional part is so important, right? Yeah. It's almost more important than anything else right now. Is that emotional part? Um, Agreed. And to be able to to teach them while empathizing while showing them love um through writing and, and reading and stuff i feel like it's it's probably the most rewarding thing that i've done wow sounds like you're doing a great job i'm trying that's like <laughs> i'm trying but it does sound really tough also yeah it is through now uh i guess like structure wise is it because my niece it, like is doing zoom but she she's in kindergarten she literally j- just graduated kindergarten mm-hmm. she was going to st mary's mm-hmm. um which is closing now the school so many so, of them so are, she was like yeah. devastated about that mm. and um now she you know she's going to first grade she's gonna have to go to a new school but now so they finished off the the year obviously on zoom mm-hmm. like my brother logs her in yeah and like she sees the whole class and everybody goes on mute the teacher talks people unmute you know they Mm -hmm. show their whatever they're working on and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but i know that the like it was like a reduced schedule kind of it was like from 11 in the morning to two in the afternoon Mm -hmm. or something like Mm -hmm. that and which like from like my brother's perspective and my sister-in-law and stuff like that like it's a big help when having small kids because then like the parents that are able to still work they're working from home right and you know the kids are you know not running around the house they're they're doing something for a few hours like they're you know they're doing their schoolwork and even though i would imagine the like the like what they're learning and their ability to absorb and stuff like that is all like thrown for a loop Mm because this is like a new thing why am i on the computer where are Mm -hmm. my friends how come i'm not you know that routine that i'm used to Mm -hmm. but it is something especially from the 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 parents perspective so for your older kids is it the same structure like you still have the same exact like eight to five or like whatever it is schedule and the same like periods and stuff like that so the kids are expected to work from 8 30 until 3 that's the regular school day but the zoom is much shorter okay so they meet with each of their teachers for 20 minutes only and we would do like a school is over on Monday. So I'm speaking in past tense. Yeah. <laughs> um, we would um, do a like mini lesson and then or we would like review what they had, what they did on their own and answer any questions that they had. But their class time like with each other was much shorter, which for me, like, thank God, because first of all, it would give them a headache to be on the computer all day long, True. which happened in my older daughter's school. You know, um, my daughter, Liana, the older one is 13 and she. Mm-hmm is in seventh grade, so she was doing Zoom too, middle school. And her school initially had the kids, they kept the same exact schedule. So the kids were on Zoom all day long. And she would complain about headaches. She would be fatigued afterwards. She was like just over it. Just like staring at a screen for that long? For eight hours, you know, and then she had homework on top of that. So we, all the parents kind of reached out to the school respectfully because i can't stand when people don't realize how hard it is to like do what you're sure. just making that happen you could empathize like yeah with them like in the that teachers situation. yeah like yeah. i know that you guys are working really hard but this is not it, it it's giving it's her a headache yeah. and you know like they need time they're home with their families they need to be um they need time for themselves with everything that's going on too like 
And the school was very receptive and they changed it. So they gave them half day schedule. And so my kids, it was very similar. So like half of the class time was Zoom and then the other half was, they were expected to work, but they had like, their deadline was 3 p.m. for all of their independent work that they had to do. Yeah. And they have to like submit it online or and something? they have to submit it online on Google okay. Classroom. Um, what was interesting was my baby, who's three, she goes to my school and she's mm-hmm. in nursery and nursery had Zoom. Um, and so they gave them 30 minutes where they could like see their friends and they did like their morning, what would normally have been their morning like circle time. They did like their songs and stuff together and she hated it. Really? She hated <laughs> it. She was like, no, she would cry, but I want to see them, but I want them to come here. But how come I can't go to school? Uh, and she didn't understand, you know? Yeah. And then she took to hiding in the closet. Uh. <laughs> she didn't want to do it. <laughs> um, so I reached out to her teacher too. And her teacher was like, listen, she can come once a week. She can just Zoom one-on-one with her friends and do um, what she did. She had like Zoom play dates where they would draw together or, you know, nice. do an activity together. And that worked for her. But um yeah, it was hard. It was a really hard transition. And then she had a graduation because they do a nursery school graduation, which is adorable. Um, she had a Zoom graduation and, and she cried. Like she could uh, not see her friends without crying, you know? That sucks. And the babies are more likely to express how they're feeling, you know, just through their emotional state, yeah. right? But I imagine that those tears like are the same for the older kids. They're the same. Except they have like the social filter of I'm yeah, not going to cry. I'm, I'm just going to act them. out or right. I'm going to, you know, just exactly. not do my homework today or just yeah. not tell anybody anything. Right. And, yeah. Yep. Exactly. I have, a, I had a seventh grader who never showed up, like never showed up and never did Damn. anything. And I'm like, wow, this is like Emmy. Just like <laughs> <laughs> the older <laughs> version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually just, just to, to, to round off the, the zoom part of the conversation, is it, is there any, I guess for next semester, next year, like, do you guys know that you're going back yet? Or we have no idea. No, right? Okay. I was gonna. I was actually gonna go and like paint my classroom. Yeah. Yeah. I have like this whole idea for this accent wall that I want to do. I was gonna go paint it, and then um, and then how, I, how does that work? Do you have like like your classroom is like your domain here? Do whatever you want as long as like yeah. the kids are stay alive or yep. something like that. And there's like <laughs> a there's like a um there's like a rule about how much paper can be on the wall. I guess because I asked if I could do um wallpaper and they she was like no, um but I'm allowed to paint an accent wall i was going to do that um but then i was like and by she you mean like the principal principal, yeah okay and they're saying but now they're saying that it's possible that we might not go back until january that we might be doing zoom all the way until january and i said why would i go paint that classroom (laughs) right now no i'm gonna wait and see um so they're acting as if we're still gonna open like regular okay with the understanding that we might not you know okay yeah gotcha damn Mm -hmm. all righty so i wanted to ask you about like, I remember from being in school, obviously, like bullying, like uh, me personally experiencing it. Actually, my first short story, humble brag over here, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's um, like on my website, I've spoken about it before, and I've released it as an audiobook episode, is entitled Bully. And it's about, it's based on an experience that I had with the bully. I know that like kids go through that, obviously, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you if you, as a teacher, from a teacher's perspective, if you're aware of stuff like that going on, how and not just bullying, but like just different cliques and, uh, and you know, like the quote unquote cool kids mm-hmm. or the preppy kids and the jocks and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And what's your ability to like intervene 
if at all like are are there rules like behind that like you know if you see bullying happen report it or something but you can't do anything you know if a kid pulls another kid's hair or something like that you know there are rules i mean if there's bullying the kids have to speak to the principal and it's like a people are really cracking down on bullying these days Mm -hmm. right and um so they they will get suspended for for bullying someone especially pulling hair like that's automatic suspension um but there are definitely things that i that should be done in the classroom that there's no teacher that i've ever heard of is is encouraged to not do any you know just to report it because you know we talked about the relationship with the kids Mm -hmm. right and so if you're involved in their lives and you have an investment in them as a person um and you turn a blind eye to something right yeah exactly you don't want to i mean for both for the victim and for the bully you have to intervene right because bullies are usually, and correct me if I'm wrong, you would know better than me, are just like hurt people, hurt people yes. type of thing. And they're yes. probably getting bullied or beat up at going home, God something. forbid, or something like yes, that. Yes, it's, it's always the ones that are really going through something. Okay. Um, like I've sat down and had, um, you know, the lunch, the one-on-one lunch conversations with kids that are being, you know, mean. And, and I have asked them, like, are you hurt? Like, does it feel good for you to hurt somebody else? Is it because you're hurt? And they will say, like, yes. They like break down crying, like yes, you know, because Damn. I'm hurt. Um, a lot of the times, I have to, in, especially in in middle school, I have to like involve the the guidance counselor because the mm-hmm. things that they're doing are like a lot of things that I saw this year were like really nuts. Um, so I work in a Catholic school, and like I told you, they don't. The kids are really um, curious about homosexuality, but we had nuns teaching a religion class telling the kids that if they are homosexual, they're going to hell. Wow. And then there were some kids who are homosexual and they would say like, am I going to hell? Miss Lucas, am I going to go to hell for real? Like, what do I say as a teacher? Wow. And then so their, their classmates would feel entitled to bully them. And I found in the back of my classroom one day um, after seventh grade left that two of the seventh grade boys were writing notes to another one who they perceived to be gay, who never came out as gay. Nobody knows if he's mm-hmm. gay or not. But they perceived him to be gay. And they were writing notes to him telling him to kill himself and giving him instructions on how to kill himself. Wow. Um, and that infuriated me, okay? I can imagine, infuriated yeah. me. So I made an example of them in front of everyone. Nice. Um, I embarrassed them. And I explained to them. I mean, the school, listen, those kids, I told you, most of their parents are, really hardworking, don't have money like that. And the school is $5,000 and the kids are coming. Don't do that to your parents. Think number one, right? Don't do that to your parents. And then like, do you think, I think that they say things and they don't understand like the gravity or like the effect. True. They don't understand the power. Being a seventh grader, I could imagine. Like I remember me doing stupid stuff Mm -hmm. when I, when I was a kid, you know, like I don't know what the hell I was saying or doing or thinking. Yeah. They don't understand the impact that they have. Um, but when I brought it up, I, I spoke to them in front of the class. So you like told them to come up come in front of the, the class? Front. Okay. And when I spoke to them in front of the whole class and that boy had a cousin who was in that class and she instantly started to cry. And she said to them in front of the class, do you know that he's already telling me that he wants to kill himself? And if, if he did it, like, how would you feel? Don't you understand that? Like, you wow. don't know what somebody's going through. And the whole class was crying. Everybody started to cry. Shit. And it was like a community moment where we had to understand, like, you are here together, right? And you're in a Catholic school. I mean, it, no matter what school you're in, like, it's your responsibility to take care of each other. Absolutely. Right? And you're saying things 
not knowing what somebody's already going through, right? And do you want to be the reason why this person would potentially do something like that? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I had another little girl. How how were they to that conversation? Oh, they were they were they were also crying. Then we had a conversation they were like with remorseful the, about yeah, it. Yeah, we had a conversation with the guidance counselor and the and the principal and and their parents and they felt really really bad about it, you know. And then it didn't happen again. But um, nice. they needed that that moment. A lot of the teachers disagree with my methods, though. Yeah. They're like the kids shouldn't be embarrassed, and I'm like, mm, I disagree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't. For, wanna... First of all, aside from the fact that embar- embarrassment is a part of life, <laughs> right. let, let, let's not nerf the world and not expose them to anything, and exactly. then they go out into the world and die. Yeah, from, like, just tripping and falling over. Yeah. Um, but like, if you're going to if you're going to try to bring attention to yourself for something negative, then you're going to see what those repercussions, what the repercussions are. are. Absolutely. With the attention that you drew to yourself, absolutely. Like, which is also like within reason, right? We're like, you're not, you're not like grabbing those kids and like at the school and beating them up. Oh my God. And saying, no. don't ever do that to that kid again. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, no. But we're gonna have a conversation about it absolutely. because you're responsible to the community, right? Of like, if you offend the community, you need to apologize to the community. Absolutely. Not in I private. One hundred percent. No. So, yeah. So I was like, I. And the parents are very sensitive and they're like, no, I don't want you to talk to my kids in front of people. And I'm like, no, because your kid did this in front of everyone. True. And it affects everyone. And we're talking about the potential life of a human being. Yes. That they could have influenced into right. not being around anymore. Right. So we're going to have this conversation together because this is a learning moment for all of us. Um, I have a little girl. She's probably one of my favorite kids. And she gave me the hardest time ever. Um, but she had a really tumultuous childhood. Um, her mom had her when she was 15. And she... She, she dealt with a lot of like abuse and um, neglect and her mom is an amazing person, but she has to work a lot. She's like going to school and going to work and, and the baby is like with just bouncing around while mom is, you know, trying to maintain. And so she has a lot of like pain. Um, but I, she, she was a kid. She's brilliant. All of her, she had straight A's like, um, but she was really mean to her friends. Um, but then she would like cry a lot and always want to be with me. And, but she was really mean to her friends and she was trying on a persona, right? You know how they're like trying to find True. themselves. Yeah. Like, let me see if I, if this Go works through different phases. Yeah. This week I'm a gothic kid. Yeah. Like she into, yeah. Right. So she was trying on like, uh, like a bad girl persona which i knew like was not quintessential her. like mean girl yeah like i knew it wasn't her she was getting in trouble for coming to school with like her hair sprayed a different color and like wearing big earrings that wasn't allowed or like loud nail polish that wasn't allowed and like um jordans instead of her school shoes and mm. um and then she she just started to get very loud and um and then she told one of the girls who she thought was weaker than her that she was gonna fight her and I was like, oh boy, here we go. Damn. So she, at lunchtime, she took her to the bathroom and fought her. And she asked me, Miss Lucas, can I go to the bathroom? And I'm me trusting her. Yeah, go to the bathroom. And she went to the bathroom to fight, which she planned, right? And I was so disappointed in her. I was so disappointed. So we get back upstairs. Both of these girls are my girls, my class, right? So we have this community conversation because it was a big deal because that school doesn't have any fighting, right? How'd you find out about the fight? Um, everybody knew about the fight. All the kids knew that it was going to happen. Every, when it happened, everybody was talking about it and it was like a big deal. So we went upstairs and we were talking about what happened. And she like started- Like that same day? The same like day. After the fight? Okay. Same day. We go upstairs. They're suspended, but they're going to leave, you know, the next day they weren't coming mm-hmm. in. Um, so they were still in the class and I was so upset with her because she's so brilliant, right? There's mm-hmm. no, why are you behaving this way? 
Um, and I was trying to speak to her about it. And she had no remorse. She was talking to me like, well, she's messing with me. So I'm like, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, um, okay, this is the vibe you're giving me right now is like you you idolize bad baby or something like you want to be bad baby. You know, yeah. bad baby to catch me outside. Yeah. Girl. Like, <laughs> is that who you're trying to be? Like, is this who I'm talking to right now? Like, is your goal in life to grow up and be bad baby? And she was like, nah, but I'm not, I'm not playing with like, you know? And I was like, all right, this is what we're going like to do. She was staying in that pocket. She was staying yeah. there. So I was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Cause you're a gangster, right? So since you're a gangster and you don't understand what you did wrong, and you're about that life. This is your life, right? This is what you want to do. You want to be, you want to be that baby, right? So this is what you're going to do. I want you to rap, to write me because this is ELA class. You're going to write me a rap song about what happened and you're going to perform it tomorrow on the stage. <laughs> Damn. And she was like, because in the morning we will all say the Pledge of Allegiance, uh -huh. right? And there was a stage and the whole school was there. And I'm like, you're a gangster. You want everybody to know you're a gangster. You orchestrated this. You told everybody about it. Cool. So you are our honorary bad baby. And you are going to write me the illest rap song. And nice. we're going to, you're going to, right? <laughs> and then I started playing beats. <laughs> so I was like finding beats online and I'm playing the beats. And I'm like, let's go. Go ahead. Freestyle. Try something. Do it. <laughs> practice, practice. Yeah. You're going to be on stage tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. You better do it. Cause, and then the kids were like, oh, we're going to have a concert. And I was like, yeah, we're going to have a concert. Bad Baby's performing, right? And <laughs> she started to cry. Uh. And she was like, no, I don't want to. And I was like, but what happened? I thought that you were gangster. What happened? You shy now? Yeah. And she was like, no, no. All of a sudden. Yeah, now you're shy. <laughs> and um, she was like, no, I no, stop. You're making fun of me. And I'm like, I'm not making fun of you. I just want to follow your lead. If this is what you want to be. Then I'm I'm here for you. I'm gonna support you. Right? It's true. Like, I'm gonna be your number one fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm your fan. And she she got so upset. And the kids were like, Miss Lucas, can we make posters for the concert? <laughs> <laughs> and then um and then you know I had another conversation with her because she was like distraught. And like, that, no. that that goes back to the like the community working through that issue. Yeah, right. right. Like nobody's telling you that you listen. This is your life. Like nobody's telling you that you can't be a gangster. There's mm -hmm. plenty of people. Who are gangsters, True. right? You want to be a gangster? Cool. This is what that entails. You want that kind of attention? Then it's like you give them a, like a microcosm of that, of mm -hmm. like what that means, yeah, like within the junior high environment. Yes, that's cool. And then, um, so then we had another one on one, and she was like, "I don't, I just you embarrass me so bad." And I'm like, "Listen, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but you have to understand that this is the this is what you're portraying. This is what we see, and this is how you're treated when you act this way, right?" And then, um. She was like, uh, very sincere that she wanted to apologize. And um, she apologized to the girl. And I, hadn't had a, I never had a problem with her like that again. But when her mom came up, her mom came to school. And I um, told her mom the whole thing. And her mom was dying laughing. Her mom was <laughs> nice. like, I love this. <laughs> she loved it. Um, and it was great. It was so good. Uh, because, you see, that's like the entire opposite of like doing a three, two, one countdown. Or like. What, what I normally would have done in, in Success Academy is mm -hmm. kind of just going in the moment of like, you know, knowing the kid and knowing like what's the best way to reach this particular kid. Exactly. Right? You know who you can do that with. It's like tailored more towards the To the child. them because yeah. you know them, right? Yeah, that was a moment. <laughs> That's awesome. So now how, like I guess you, you touched on already, like one of my, the last questions that I had for you, which was 
like interacting with different parents and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. how's it work like you have like parent teacher conferences mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. so besides that your only interaction i guess is like if issues come up with the kids or if you have like a go hard parent that wants to teach you how to teach or something <laughs> like that and emails <laughs> yeah. you i would imagine now uh-huh. um how do you how do you manage that um with the go hearts yeah or just like in general just, just like interacting with parents um honestly the parents are typically really great okay um and especially in this school they're so generous i've had parents like give me we're not supposed to take monetary things but um but we all do um they i have parents give me hundred dollar bills as gifts and stuff like yeah like name brand bags and all kinds of stuff like really nice like they just because they appreciate you they really appreciate you and they understand like we really are helping them raise their children right um and and so typically they they want the kids to really respect us and they respect us and they they're great um but then you do have those go hard parents i had a mom who called me and said my daughter has a 94 in your class um and that's very low for her please fix it (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) i had multiple parents do that come up to me and be like um this 98 needs to be changed to 100 can you do that now thanks (laughs) wow no i'm not doing (laughs) that um yeah and i've and i actually have one mom um right now who i love but she her son I gave them three weeks to do a project. We were doing comic books, so they were mm. learning um, character development. And, that sounds uh, fun. Yeah, and um, and plot line and and uh, a bunch of stuff, theme and things through um, writing their own comics. And so one of their assignments was like they had to choose one of the characters from The Incredibles and watch the movie and discuss their progression and how they changed and nice. you know their superficial goals versus their like long term goals and all that. And it was fun. It was really great. And we worked through the comics scene by scene, right? And we talked about like rising action, climax, falling action, resolution, like nice. how are you going to do this? And um, we, walk, we walked through, I walked them through with videos, like how to draw if they didn't know how to draw using simple shapes and stuff. And they had three weeks. So it was this week, Thursday, that it was due at 3 p.m. And this mom says, um, my son can't get it in by 3 p.m. because he's going to be busy. And I said, okay, have him hand it in earlier. Most of the kids already handed it in. She was like, you don't understand how difficult it's been for them. Um, he needs until 8 p.m. And I was like, no, I'm not grading at 8 p.m. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, <laughs> the grade book closes. I have to get the grades in. Like a lot of parents don't understand what it looks like on an RN. Like mm. I have 805 kids. So when I'm grading this work, it takes me hours, right? So if I'm giving you a deadline, it's because from three to eight, that's five hours is what it's going to take me to grade all of this stuff. So I can't, I'm not taking it at 8 p.m. So she writes an email to the principal. Like she's, she's being, um, what's the word? Uh, Like that I I wasn't, I didn't care that Mm. I needed to be more understanding that he needs. And I was like, he can get it in by four. (laughs) <laughs> and then and you're welcome <laughs> yeah like, the kid didn't hand it in until 9 p.m he handed it in at 9 p.m wow yeah and then the parents just kind of flex like what are you gonna do like you have to take that it sucks. if you don't yeah. i'm talking to your principal whatever um which is annoying um but it's balanced out by the good ones so <laughs> it's not so bad okay um a lot of teachers are a lot better at that than me though at the, yeah. the difficult ones because Again, like my training really came from success and success is so rigorous and so 
straightforward like the parents have to like sign a contract in the beginning that like, this is what it is this is what it's gonna be it. period like, yes. everybody's on the same page and that's, that's it. it like and yeah. we would we were taught we had trainings on how to speak to the parents mm-hmm. and they expected us to be very straightforward with the parents like we're not yielding mm-hmm. unless it's something dire we're not yielding this is what it is and that's it like you can make all the excuses that you want but this is what it is and but so, success is success because, because we of that. do this right yeah. And I, so when I came to this new school where it's more family oriented and they care more about, you know, mm-hmm. making the kids happy, they kind of coddle them a little too much. Mm-hmm. And so when I come to the parents and I say, no, these are the, this is the deadline. These are the rules. This is what I'm, this is what I'm accepting and what I'm not accepting. They're like not used to that. Yeah, like, they are not. They think I'm yeah. so mean. Like, no, how could you do that? Like, you need to understand or um, like the boy that I told you did no work and never showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom was like well, can you just accept like one week's worth of work and then just pass him? No, no. no <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it do doesn't anything. work that way. No, no. And, um, and then she'll speak to the principal and the principal feels bad. And she's like, but these are our families. And, you know, and in some instances we do give them breaks, but the, the amount of breaks like that they balance. want is yeah. like, it's, it's like egregiously yeah. One, one-sided. Yeah. yeah. How, how does the uh, grading work? Hmm. Um, it's interesting. Right now, uh, we switched to pass fail because okay. of the uh, the pandemic. The Zoom, and, right? Yeah. So they get like high pass or pass or low pass, oh, or like fail, right? Um. But how does it work? Like, like with you specifically for mm-hmm. for ELA, obviously, because I can wrap my head around like grading a math test or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like black and white this is right this is wrong you showed your work here you didn't show your work there mm-hmm. like when somebody's writing something it's such like a, a creative space and especially you which i imagine empathize like as a writer mm-hmm. and like you know like what goes into producing something mm-hmm. like how do you grade somebody's like essay or something there's there are different rubrics for different styles of writing okay. right so not everything can be creative <laughs> True. you know what i mean yeah um so if they're responding to a text then they have a certain, you know, set of guidelines of like what needs to be included. Um, and then there's grammar and syntax and things like that that we okay. look at. Um, the state test, there's a certain breakdown of what they're looking for on the state test. So this is like inside information here. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> a little inside baseball for teaching. <laughs> the state test, the written part, like the short response part of the state test which is like weighs heavily on their overall grade um the kids have there is a system for getting the answer correct so they have to include a claim which is basically the answer to the question Mm -hmm. and then two pieces of evidence from the text that support support their claim claim. and then a wrap-up sentence a conclusion um if they have those things then they pass they're not checking grammar they're not checking spelling they're nothing they're not, they can write in fragments, honestly, as long as they have that structure. Gotcha. Okay. So a big part of teaching when it comes to like testing time is getting the kids to understand that structure. Like, do you have your claim? Do you have two pieces of evidence? Do they match your claim? And then did you wrap it up? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And I guess like encouraging them to like write the full sentence and stuff like that. But here's yeah. the deal. <laughs> this yeah. is, these are the th- yeah. three things I mean, that you the need. kids don't know that they're not tested on grammar and stuff. Ah, okay. They don't know that. So no kids listen to this podcast, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't know because in class, I'm like, you know, you're losing points for that. I grade them, you know, okay. harder on classwork 
then they would be graded on the test which makes sense the test is easier for them you are you know absolutely yeah so they um in class they know that the grammar has to be right and the spelling they need to check their spelling so it's something that they internalize by the time they get to that point right usually okay Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah but then there are all like other assignments that i give them where they have more creativity and it's it's hard for them to switch though sometimes they get so used to like doing the structured thing that if i'm like okay they do journal every morning though which is free writing nice and then we have like a whole poetry unit which is like that and you know but sometimes like let's say we're doing the poetry unit they get so engrossed in the poetry unit that when it's time to switch over to a different kind of writing they're like wait what what how (laughs) you know gotcha yeah yeah but it depends on what we're doing that's pretty cool what's your I'll end with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite, I guess, subject or topic to teach? ELA. Or, <laughs> Hands no, down. but I mean, like, specific to. Oh, in ELA, I guess, like, like, like what poetry unit? or free writing or. Oh, man, it's hard. Oh, and is it know. dependent, I guess, on, like, your audience? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, the kids. like the, if the, all the kids love poetry, does that make you, like, lean, like, more into, into that? No. Okay. I think, you know, <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> because it's my job to engage them. Sure. It's my job to get them engaged. Like, my kids read... Regardless um, of what you're... Regardless, right? Sure. So, my kids read Night, you know, Night um, by uh, Ellie Wiesel. It's about mm-hmm. the Holocaust. It's like a okay. memoir about the Holocaust. And um, he's like a Holocaust survivor. And it's... It's... Um, it's not written, like, in a conversational... Like, the way that a YA book would be written mm-hmm. for them. It's like... It, it's a stretch a little bit. And it's from this old man who like dealt with the Holocaust and it's a difficult thing. It's my job to infuse like the creativity, you know what I mean? And so the kids were so engaged in that. Like I, they're, um, they were supposed to read about the concentration camps at Auschwitz. And then the assignment that I gave them was to turn the classroom into an escape room that was Auschwitz. So the classroom was Auschwitz and the kids decided who's going to be the, the guards and like, how could you potentially get out of this? And what are some pitfalls that you're going to like, that you can run into? Like, Damn, where, that's awesome. Yeah. And it was fun. It was so exciting. So the kids were like, really like they were super engaged in that. And then we get to poetry units and kids don't really like poetry. So I lead with blackout poetry, which is turning um, like a piece of like an article or a piece, any piece of text mm-hmm. into your own poem by blacking, blacking out. out yeah. And, and just leaving. leaving right. I had a kid who had um, got an article about COVID, blacked out a bunch of lines and turned it into a poem about being safe with family. Wow. And it was beautiful. That's cool. And then they get to draw on it and make it nice. And then, you know, um, so it depends on how you you, um, present it to them. It has to be fun, you know, comics, like fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you having that opportunity to, like you said, infusing creativity in whatever it is that they're looking at. That's not something I could have done in Success Academy. (laughs) (laughs) But I can do it now. It's a perk. Yeah, it's a perk. Yeah. Teachers need to be like a a, a give and take. Yeah. There were like pluses that you got from Successes Academy and, Mm -hmm. you know, the pluses on on this side as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you. This was um, fun. Tell folks, you have an open invitation, obviously, yeah. to come on whenever you like. Thank you. But tell folks uh, about your podcast, where to find you on social media. Yeah, okay. So All that the, good stuff. The podcast is called Ch. <laughs> C-H with an exclamation point. It's um, everywhere that you get podcasts. Um, I would link, I'll link to it in the episode notes as well. Thank you. It's about teaching. So I, it's a weekly, uh, we talk, we post every Tuesday and we talk about 
what's going on in the classroom and uh, what that looks like for us. It's a friend of mine uh, who's also a teacher. And what's his name, by the way? His name is Mike DiGregorio. Um, shout out to Mike. Shout out to Mike. He teaches kindergarten. So you get kindergarten, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade <laughs> all nice. wrapped up in there. Um, what else did you want me to... On social media, are you on social media at oh, all? Oh, yeah. Or like um, there is a podcast. There's an uh, Instagram for the podcast, um, CHCast, it's called. Um, I need to update it. <laughs> but it's, yeah, CHCast, C-A-S-T. Um, that's on there. And then uh, you can also follow me on my personal one. I mean, it's, it's yeah. open. Um, I actually post more on there than anywhere else. Nice. Um, it's it's me, Amanda Lee. I T Z because I'm cool. Um, <laughs> Amanda Lee, L E E. It's me, Amanda Lee. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I T Z M E, and then Amanda Lee, L E E. Nice. Yep. And all the articles and stuff like that that we referenced, uh, and videos that yeah. Amanda referenced, I'm gonna try to find online. If you find them, send them over, and I'll yeah. link to all that good stuff in the episode notes. Amanda, thanks again very much for doing this episode. I appreciate Thank you. it. Very it was much. so fun. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. <laughs> Gotta do it again. Yeah. And that was the show, folks. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're anything like me, you probably started reflecting back on teachers that you had, the good ones, the bad ones, the different experiences that you had. That's always fun, reminiscing on stuff like that. And you're also getting the invaluable. POV of someone who is doing the work day in and day out and what that's actually like. Amanda, I want to thank you once again for taking the time to do this show. I also want to say that one, I'm keeping my eyes peeled for that first book of yours. No pressure. <laughs> and two, on behalf of myself and the Sponsored community, thank you for the important work that you do in helping shape and inspire the minds of tomorrow. As I said in the intro, folks, check out the Che podcast, which I will link to in the episode notes of this show, along with other links referenced in this episode, as well as contact information for Amanda, like her social media. Aside from that, stick around, listen to some tunes for a bit, and then hear a few different ways you can help support the Spun Today podcast. Peace. I can almost see it, that dream I'm dreaming, but there's a voice inside my head saying you'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction. My faith is shaken, but I, I gotta keep trying. Gotta keep my head held high There's always gonna be another mountain I'm always gonna wanna make it move Always gonna be an uphill battle Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose It ain't about how fast I get there Ain't about what's waiting on the other side the struggles I'm facing, the chances I'm taking, sometimes might knock me down, but no, I'm not breaking. I may not know it.
Hey folks, Tony here, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as I enjoy putting it together for you. If you'd like to support, I'd really appreciate it, and we'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts on how to do so. If you can make your way over to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a bunch of different ways where you can do just that. There you'll find an Amazon banner similar to the other banners found throughout my website that you can click on and will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. This will not cost you anything extra and Amazon will pay me a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. It's a great way to help support the show financially without actually having to come out of pocket. At sponsorday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon and Kofi pages. Patreon and Kofi are two similar websites where you can set up reoccurring donations for the show. If you want to donate a dollar per month, a dollar per episode, a hundred dollars per episode, whatever you like, you can check out either one of those two services there. There's actually also a Patreon video that's kind of like a little tutorial explanation video of how Patreon actually works. Also at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a direct donation button where you, you can donate by way of PayPal. You'll find a link to Apple Music, which works similar to the Amazon banner. You can click on it. It'll take you to Apple's website where you can do your purchasing like you normally do. And again, it does not cost you anything extra, but I will get paid a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. And you'll also find links to the Spun Today viral style store. This is where you can get Spun Today related merch. And you'll find things like these cool premium t-shirts that have uh, writing related things on them that I put together myself. I'm definitely not a clothing designer by any stretch of the imagination, but I put together things that I wanted to see and, and uh, wear myself. A couple of my favorites are the one that says writing is life and another one that says write need every day and it has like a puff of smoke looking design right behind uh, those words. You'll also find a sponsored a coffee mug and a really cool color changing mug that's related to my debut novel Fractal. It's completely black and when it gets hot when you put it in coffee or tea it starts changing to white and it also exposes the cover art for my novel fractal it's pretty dope so definitely check all that stuff out which again you can find by going to sponsory.com forward slash support and of course do not forget to follow me on all of your social media at sponsory on twitter at sponsory on instagram subscribe to the sponsory youtube channel where you can find clips and excerpts from the podcast 
along with other cool content. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash spun today. Also, don't forget to check out all the free shit that I have on my website as well. Go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. And there you're going to find dozens and dozens and dozens of free writing pieces that you can check out for motivation and inspiration and just some general food for thought. You can check out some of my photography at spuntoday.com forward slash photography. Feel free to take any of those pictures and use them as you wish. I set it up so that you can like copy and download the photos. And my short stories are available at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories. And last but certainly not least, my pride and joy corner, spuntoday.com forward slash books. Here you will find my published books, which you find folks can find links to purchase them on Amazon, whether you want hard copies or digital uh, Kindle copies. That's the spot for you. Thank you very much for being a Spun Today listener. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.